Hello Dan Brown Code fans, it's your friend Lena. Thank you to everyone for all the love and all the feedback. We love making this show, and we can't wait to keep making it. Um, I just wanted to announce that, by popular demand, we have Dunkin' on Dan shirts available on Teespring. They look like the Dunkin' Donuts logo, but they say Dunkin' on Dan instead, because that's what we do every other week. Um, and I made them at 2am, and I'm very proud of them. <laughs> if you follow us on Twitter, you've already seen them. Um, if you don't follow us on Twitter, at DanBrownCodePod, I don't know what you're doing, but uh, that's beside the point. Everything we make from the t-shirts goes right back into the pod, because making this show twice a month costs money, and this helps us keep doing that. And uh, to everyone who bought one, thank you so much. To everyone who's going to buy one, thank you again. If you already bought one or are going to buy one, uh, tweet or DM us your order confirmation, and we'll give you a little shout-out on the next episode. Uh, so go to teespring.com slash Dan. That's D-U-N-K-I-N-O-N-D-A-N. So it's Duncan, not Dunking. Um, you know, to, to, you know, that's the brand. That's the brand right there. Um, they're only available until March 30th, so make sure to get yours before time runs out. Thanks again for making our dreams of being mean to Dan Brown on the internet a reality. Here's the show. It was one of those documentaries where it takes 20 minutes and the documentarian is like, this personal thing affected me. And then 20 minutes later, he's like, now I'm choosing to find, get to the bottom of it. I can't do documentaries. I hate that. If you just were like, here's what happened at Volkswagen when they lied to everybody. Like, great. But if you were like, I bought a Volkswagen and I felt betrayed and my wife was very upset. Um, hi, and welcome to the Dan Brown Code. Hi, I'm Lena. And I'm Forrest. And we're back. Thank you for joining us again. Um, this week we're doing, or this episode, we're doing chapters 61 through 80, and things really pick up here. Yeah, the book is good now. Uh, <laughs> it only took 200 pages. It's fun now, yeah. Um, let's do just a really quick recap of everything that happened. Do you want to you wanna go? Uh, yeah, so they're in the Pantheon, realize they're in the wrong place, mm-hmm. go to the right church where they're just minutes too late, uh, and they find a corpse, and then they uh, manage to find their way to the second spot on the path of illumination, mm-hmm. where they're also moments too late, right? Um, and are met with a second dead cardinal, and then I think they go and have a meeting after that. Yeah, they, they go back to the Vatican um, and go back to the archives after that. And we yeah. kind of leave off in a weird place. Yes. Usually we bit. leave off at like a, a fun cliffhanger. This time it's like, and now he's doing research. Yeah, right before our second library scene of the book. Yeah. Um, Yikes. Which I've been more laboring under the delusion all along. There's only one library scene, but there's not. <laughs> yeah, this is this is worse than I thought, you know, but this, I think this, this, yeah. this section uh, was fun. I had fun this time. Yeah, me too. So chapter 61, uh-huh. they've just walked into the Pantheon and uh, Vittoria and Robert are continuing to banter as they are under a real time crunch to try to find a murderer. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're um, they're doing a lot of, of flirty banter and it's, you know, stupid because her dad died a day, a, a day ago. But at this, I mean, I'm... How many times can I be mad at that? You know, yeah. <laughs> I'm picking my at battles point, at this point. At some point, I think we're just left to assume that it's going to be bad. Actually, that brings me to a kind of a kind of a meta concept. I don't know if I am enjoying the book more or if it's worn me down. I think uh, I took like a several week break in between recording the last episode and this one uh-huh. of reading it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just gotten better. Mm. 
um, mm-hmm. now that we're actually moving and things are happening. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but there's still like some uh, general Dan Brownie, Robert Langdon things. Sure. Why not? So Robert Langdon is successfully resisting the urge to explain everything that comes to his mind in the Pantheon. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bit here that says Langdon did not stop to explain why something was the way it was, specifically tombs facing a direction. But I did notice that even though Robert Langdon did not stop to explain, Dan Brown did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's really the thing about this chapter. Yeah. Um, this chapter, let's see what I have. We get a flashback to a Robert Langdon lecture. Oh, yeah. And that's where most of my notes here are. So I haven't read this book in years, and I mm-hmm. remembered this scene, and I immediately felt as angry as I had the first time I read it, and I skipped it. What are your thoughts? Oh, you skipped it? I, I I skimmed it. Okay. Do you, what, do you have any thoughts about it? Um, It's just... This, I mean, you've been in classrooms. That's true, I you, have. You know how these things go. Not like this. <laughs> and the bell certainly doesn't ring the moment you make your point. No. I mean, I went to fake music school, so I don't know how this goes. Okay. But, um, son. And so Langdon um, smiled, pacing before the black- blackboard, chewing an apple. Mr. Hitzrot, he shouted, which is a fake name. Um, <laughs> One of his students is named Hitzrot, and he's asleep, just for context. And then later on... Uh, Langdon takes another bite of his apple and just continues lecturing with his mouth full. Conquering religions, he continued, often adopt existing holidays to make conversation conversion less shocking. It's called transmutation, which is not true. Um, anyways. Um, yeah, uh, I, I did note, like, is it called transmutation or not? I, I guess it's not. Up, I can't find anything about converting religious practices being called transmutation. Where is where are they doing this research? Where what what research is this? I don't know. There's a there's also a weird thing where Dan Brown starts talking about how Christianity stole the concept of God eating from the Aztecs. Yeah, I had a question about that. What was was what was your question? My question is how. Yeah, because the Aztecs didn't exist when Christianity began, and also there was also probably didn't... no contact between right. Europe slash Palestine slash the Middle East slash Greece and. Uh, Mexico. Yeah. Borrowed from the Aztecs. And like, he he keeps on on with it. Uh, Oh, hold on. Hitzrot ventured, sounding awake now. I know something Christian that's original. How about our image of God? Christian art never portrays God as the hawk, sun god, or my favorite part, or as an Aztec or anything weird. I just like the idea that the Aztecs are something weird. weird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Langdon owns him by saying that the image of God's based on Zeus. Good work, Robert Langdon. And <laughs> um, then nothing happens with his apple. I it mean, just... there, there are a lot of articles, like cultural articles, about how assholes eat apples in movies. Okay. Brad Pitt's always eating, you know. Brad Pitt's not an asshole. I know, but he often plays one. Uh, that's true. <laughs> and and many, like, cocky guys, like, eat apples while they're talking to people as, like, a sign of confidence. I'll buy that. Um, so I guess that's what Langdon's doing. I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's just pointless. Yeah, there was no Chekhov's apple there. Then Robert gets bugged by um, himself in the form of museum docent explaining things to him that he doesn't want to know. Yeah, he, he's stopped by being by someone who's telling him he's very nicely dressed, which is, a, have... is a theme in this, in this portion. Yeah, you look like a man of distinction, the guide fond. No doubt more interested in culture than most. I have written in my notes, I've got the Kavorka, Jerry. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yes. But Robert hates this guy. And after uh, a while, 
The docent continues to follow him, quote, like a love-starved puppy. And Langdon thinks, remind me, there's nothing worse than an age, than a gung-ho art historian. Yeah. Um, yeah, Robert Langdon's really mad at this guy for doing to him what we are, have done to us the entire book, which is explain things that you already know about. Well, the best part is, like, um, he knows more than Robert Langdon does about the Pantheon and what's happening here. Mm-hmm. And so, like, they're going to rely on him a bit to help them out. And right. Robert never thinks kind thoughts about him despite that. <laughs> Uh, just a little, just a stylistic note. Mm-hmm. I don't like italics within italics. Like that's. Oh yeah. Yeah, you know when something is made unitalicized within an italic thought to add emphasis. It almost never happens in real life, but in Dan Brown novels, it happens all the time. Uh, Where it happens here. Uh, I don't know. Langdon blocked him out. His eyes climbed skyward to the Oculus, and okay, so it's in that paragraph. Mm-hmm. It just now that would be a media event. Oh yeah. And this rarely happens in books because it looks, it's just, my, my brain doesn't like it. Yes, I um, can see that. But in this, in, in this book and in Dan Brown books in general, I've encountered it maybe 15 times now. I'm going to notice it now and I'm not going to appreciate you pointing it out. <laughs> it's just bad. So um, within the Pantheon, Robert Langdon and Vittoria Vetra have split up to each cover one half and of they'll the meet Pantheons. in 180 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's cute. Um, and so now we cut to Vittoria's search and she's thinking some dumb things like the fact that her father was murdered cruelly and abruptly as opposed to like slowly and gently and nicely. <laughs> also some dumb things such as uh, I feel guilty for developing an amazing science machine mm-hmm. and enabling this bomb. Like who, what a woman would never ever, no one would like a, She's become Death the Destroyer of Worlds. She is become Death Destroyer of Worlds? That's I guess. Robert Oppenheimer, yeah, Oppenheimer quoting the Rig Veda, maybe. It's the line that is quoted. Remember in episode one when I talked about in The Hunt for Red October when we <laughs> zoom in on um, Sean Connery's mouth <laughs> and, and we, we come zoom back. in? He's yeah. saying that line. He's, that's what he's quoting when oh, that is happens. He? I so still everything to... comes back to that movie in Point Break. I need to, <laughs> I need to watch that movie. Um my note here is Vittoria and I are the same. We both have Sicilian ancestors and tawny legs and almond scented hair. The only difference is that I am very gorgeous and she is only kind of gorgeous, which is canon. Yeah, but it, you do both find, correct me if I'm wrong, an inexplicable refuge in the eyes of Robert Langdon. Yeah. Like the harmony of the oceans that you left behind early this morning. Again, kindred spirits, Vittoria and I. I'm just, you know, the hotter twin. Um, the thing about the Sicilian blood here. Um, sort of gets into my burgeoning theory that Dan Brown is kind of like a racial determinist. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So Vittoria's fantasizing. She's got a fixation on not killing the assassin, but on shooting his kneecaps, which comes up a few times in this section. But (laughs) alarmed and electrified, she sent something coursing through her Italian blood that she had never felt before. The whispers of Sicilian ancestors defending family honor with brutal justice vendetta victoria thought and for the first time in her life understood it's very I, and... it's yeah he is though <laughs> often so much of what he has to say about anyone in any of his books is about what part of europe they're from or in some cases dangerously not europe right dangerously not europe Extre- extremely not europe such as slightly east of europe Ooh, that's where it's <laughs> really bad um 
Uh, uh, That's it for this for this chapter. Yeah, I'm so she, she finds Raphael's tomb and then reads the plaque and it um, gives her some kind of pause. Something's wrong. And so she runs across the thing. and She finds Robert yeah. to inform him of her discovery. Uh, the docent makes the mistake of thinking she's his wife, but it's whatever. Who cares? And Well, they want the docent to think that. He makes the mistake of thinking she's American. Oh, right, right. Sorry, sorry. Um, he's informed that, uh, Langdon is informed that he was wrong, to which he replies, impossible. <laughs> <laughs> impossible. Um, and let's see. We learn about the Demon's Hole, which is an ossuary annex. Yes. Yeah, which is a, a hole of bones. Yeah, so the Demon's Hole is not, in fact, the oculus of the Pantheon, the little hole in the ceiling. It is, in fact, this thing that some chapels have apparently where it's like a little sewer in the ground below your church where you throw all the people who are less rich than the main person buried in the chapel <laughs> so that way they can still be buried under the church but not in as nice a place they have right. an ossuary annex and we get we kind of go through 40 different words for that before we get to it it's like undercroft crypt yes yeah, a crypt a burial cavity an ossuary annex it's it's diff- it's hard on the eyes one of my complaints about these 20 chapters is they have the phrase demon's hole more times than i ever want to read in my life i don't like it i don't like reading it and it says it is said so often uh yeah it it is it's too much long story short they figure out that um santi's earthly tomb is not in fact the tomb where santi was buried it's an earthly tomb that santi created for uh, in the Chigi Chapel. It's the Chigi Chapel. Yes. It, um, apparently Kiji. I looked Kiji? up... Kiji? Yeah. I, looked, I feel stupid. It's okay. I was going to say Chigi for a long time. And then last night, um, I watched the movie Angels and Demons. <laughs> you did? I did. Um, <laughs> I feel like that's cheating. It is. Okay. Uh, and I also looked online, how do you pronounce Kiji? And it said Kiji. Although something else said something different. And I don't remember what it was. Anyways, uh, then so they realize they're in the wrong place, and they go back to Commander Olivetti, who says, and they're like, "We need to move." And she's like, "Oh, sorry." Olivetti's like, "What? We can't move. My men are in position here," which doesn't make any sense at all. Olivetti's you, you, role is confusing to me. Um, yeah, my only note is: is there a point at which Olivetti stops being an SP, a suppressive person in? <laughs> um, scientology words i'm not sure because like no right uh i don't think so he's like the of the cops in the book they have to deal with i think he's the most suspicious of robert langdon Mm. but like he's suspicious here in a weird way where like he's already got all these men not on the search for the cardinals and seems to have already bought into the idea that that this is happening that this is happening and like they might have some idea where to go so i don't know why he'd be so pissed that like well, this first crazy long shot was a bust, but now I have to spend 15 minutes on a second crazy long shot? This sucks. I <laughs> refuse to do it. Um, but he finally does, and uh, Robert and Vittoria get a taxi while they're trying to convince Olivetti to go, and then Olivetti's eventually going to follow them in some Alfa Romeos. But until then, we blessedly cut back to my favorites, Gunther and Chinita, oh, the journalists. Yeah. I love these people. I have a question. Is the British Tatler real? Because it sounds like a fake Harry Potter newspaper. I think the British Tattler is probably not real. 
That's true. There's, isn't there a daily tattler in Harry Potter? Yeah, or something. British. Oh, it's tattler. real. It is. Well, it's not called the British tattler. It's called tattler. T a t l e r. The UK's biggest society party pictures archive. <laughs> okay. It's sure. a Condé Nast publication. Okay. Focusing on fashion and lifestyle, okay. as well as coverage of high society and politics. They recently laid off a third of their staff. Well, well that's print for you. Anyway. C'est la vie. <laughs> um, so in this one, Gunther Glick is trying to convince Chinita that this wild goose chase, the Hassassines trying to send them on um, so he can get media coverage of his assassinations. He's trying to convince her this Illuminati thing isn't such a crock of shit and it's actually real. And to do so, he lies a lot. <laughs> um, and this is these are like interesting lies because I promised myself and the listeners that I was going to stop as aggressively fact-checking everything in the book because we'd already decided that um, the book wasn't claiming to be factual in a lot of things. Right. But in this one, he just <laughs> pretends that a lot of statements and publications made by various people are actually about the Illuminati when mostly they're about um, the triple parentheses Illuminati. <laughs> Um, so the first one is a statement that Churchill published in 1920, warning the Brits of a worldwide conspiracy against morality. McCree was dubious. Where did it run? In the British Tatler? And no, it's in the London Herald, February 8th, 1920. In February 8th, 1920, Winston Churchill did publish a thing about a conspiracy of uh, shadowy people trying to take over the world, but that was the Jewish Bolsheviks. Um, the piece is called Zionism versus Bolshevism, a struggle for the soul of the Jewish people. And you can always tell that um, a piece is going to be good when it has <laughs> sections headline good and bad Jews, national Jews, international Jews, terrorist Jews. Uh, quote, protector of the Jews and a home for the Jews. And in it, oh, the duty of loyal Jews. <laughs> um, it's basically this was Winston... published in a newspaper? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Winston Churchill's idea is that there are some Jews who are still religious and are integrated into the countries in which they live, like Benjamin Disraeli, the Jew prime minister of Britain. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's also dangerous anti-religious international jews and they are not to be trusted jews like karl marx um, <laughs> and they are to be deeply distrusted and despised but also um within the loyal national jews um there's a subcategory of them who we should give back the land to in israel as is the right of the British Empire by virtue of them controlling the land. <laughs> and that's turned out really well for everybody. So good work, Winston Churchill. This feels like a bit of a, of a tangent. Um, so the point being that it was not about the Illuminati. It was a, no, a it very was... contentious piece about good Jews and bad Jews. Yeah, and, okay. and Churchill's um, ardent desire to carve out a homeland for the Jews in uh, Palestine. And like... <sighs> As with everything else that Winston Churchill ever said or did, it was good and smart and right and not at all uh, an instrument of the worst aspects of British imperialism at any point. So it's sarcasm. Okay, I don't no, want I us to really get in like, any I trouble. I just really like Winston Churchill and think he was good and smart. Uh, sarcasm. I, 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 we don't have lawyers yet, so like, please. <laughs> There's nothing illegal about saying Winston Churchill is good and smart. There's a movie that is going to win all the Oscars this year, Lena. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, my only note on that is 
uh, is that real about Winston Churchill? We'll ask Forrest. So I'm glad yeah. we did. <laughs> I think Moses was probably going to cut out. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with a lot of it. <laughs> Uh, There's also a thing about Woodrow Wilson talking about the Illuminati, but he was just talking about how monopolies are bad. Oh, okay. Uh, so th- this keeps going. There's, they do the London Herald thing. Do you have the um, thing about Chinita Macri? Yeah, I do. Okay. Chinita uh, is talking about her mother for whatever reason. Why? Um, Withered crone Chinita Macri. <laughs> right. She's 43. Her bushy black curls were streaked with gray. She was too proud for dye. But she knew her years were showing. Yeah. <sighs> God. <laughs> okay. And then she quotes her mother. And I'm not going to... When you're a black woman, her mother said, Ain't no hiding what you are. Day you try is the day you die. Stand tall, smile bright, and let them wonder what secrets making you laugh. And I just wanted to note that apparently, according to Dan Brown... Uh, Chinita's mom is the trope of the magical Negro. Yeah. <laughs> um, she speaks in, in, I don't know. You speak in some real half measures with the dialect. Yeah. It's, it's in There's like, like a little bit of it, but it's like kind of in pigeon and like, far. that's not how moms speak. They don't like <laughs> give you a full like 15 seconds of isms. Yeah. <laughs> like It's just Dan Brown is bad at black people and we, we know this. He's bad at most things. <laughs> Uh, this thing goes on. We get some stuff about Rhodes Scholars, um, and some cute banter between Gunther and Shanita. Yeah, BSBBC. I wrote cute for that. We get another rehash of the Illuminati New World Order computer game that's gone from just being, like, a game that Vittoria's friends play to the most popular internet computer game in America right now. Which, sure, I guess. Um, my note here was... There is a really deep, dated cut with a Pam Anderson joke here. Mm-hmm. They're like, what's the popular, what's the most popular computer game in America? And she's like, pin the tail on Pamela Anderson. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> new millennium. Yeah. <laughs> Where is she? Where is Pamela Anderson? Uh, and I think, I think we might be supposed, we might be supposed to think. Can that possibly be how the English language works? Where might, is this? Oh, this is this is me trying to form a sentence. Oh. It might be the case that we're supposed to think <laughs> that Chinita and Gunther are like ghoulish, um, you know, carrion eaters, because at the end of this chapter, you don't really think that guy who called us who he claims to be, do you? A messenger of the Illuminati preparing to kill four cardinals? <laughs> Glick smiled. I sure hope so. I think Glick is supposed to be a, a carrion eater. I mean, he used to work for the Tatler. Um, I really like him. No, me too. Me too. I have a bit about him later. Um, so they make it to the new place that they're going. They're looking for this this chapel. There's a, an obelisk, and it's important that we note that there is an obelisk. Mm-hmm. An obelisk is a is a is a pyramid in the sky. It's a lofty a, it's pyramid. a lofty pyramid, and, and this comes an... up later. And they're like, whatever, you know. And it's in an elliptical <laughs> courtyard. Another. Uh clue as to the illuminati affiliation of this place a perfectly elliptical courtyard and i would like to have questions what is a perfect ellipse a perfect ellipse (laughs) (laughs) because there's a perfect circle you have two foci sure um, and then around them at points that um how does it work it's like the the distance from any point to each of the two foci is always the same distance, no matter where you are across the thing. That's right. 
So I think if that is happening... It's just like an ellipse then. Well, yeah, but like it's not a fucked up ellipse. (laughs) It's a perfect (laughs) one. Okay, because it makes it sound like there is... Because there's like... There are... I mean, like, here... That's an imperfect ellipse. <laughs> okay, this one is perfect. This one's perfect because I didn't just draw it on the table. You could have just said an ellipse because otherwise it's not really an ellipse, but it's fine. Well, otherwise, you know, if it didn't have Illuminati precision behind it, it might not be perfect. Okay. I don't know how Robert Langdon can tell it's a perfect ellipse, though. Oh, just from where he's standing in, inside of it? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm. He Anyways, went and measured they, all the foci. Uh, they eventually figure out a way into this, uh, I think it's a, oh, it's a church. And the church has a bunch of chapels inside of it because that's how churches work. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I have one more thing. Yep. She looks at a carving of a pyramid. And Vittoria says, a shining star over a triangular pile of stones. What is a triangular pile of stones, Vittoria? What, what else would you call that? <laughs> you say it's a cairn? Depends on the pile of stones. <laughs> What do you want from me? I, 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 when I read that, I did picture a cairn and not like, cause, because it says pile of stones and not like a, she doesn't say a, a shiny triangular pile of stone. <laughs> yes. Cause it's, a, it's the shape of a pile. I mean, if it is a pyramid in whatever carving it is, then it's a dumb thing to call it. But if it's just a pile of rocks, then I can see calling it. Sure. That. But it, it wasn't, it was a carving. Yeah. It's fine. Okay. Um, uh, they can't okay. get in the front door, so they find a way to go through a back door where somebody else has already broken in. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of flirting uh, here. I wrote, yeah. no flirting. No, it's um, not good. No, it's not good. At some point, when they're going through this darkened hallway, she calls him professor, to which I wrote kinky. They do that. There's an age before beauty. Was that a compliment? Ah, yeah, yeah. And then the big one is, they stood a moment in silence. Then, in the dark, Langdon felt Vittoria's hands on his chest, groping, sliding beneath his jacket. Relax, Professor, she said. I'm just getting the gun. Um, Gross. (laughs) Yeah, it's not a great time. And then the end of this chapter has a weird tag of just the Swiss guard um, looking for the antimatter bomb, and they're wearing U.S. Marine issue infrared goggles. Yep, that, that part is fine. I didn't have any notes there. I did have a note. Uh, important, these people should be way more scared and confused. Neither of them have ever been secret agent crime fighters before. This is a scientist and a professor. They're just like yeah. going headfirst into like dark tunnels and grabbing for guns. And they should be very... I I mean, wouldn't you be scared, Forrest? No. I <laughs> uh, stand corrected. Okay. Inside uh, the church of the santa maria del popolo which is where the kiji chapel is there's renovations and so they have to find the right chapel behind cellophane or something some kind of hang dust dust cover you know like plastic sheeting yeah you've seen uh, plastic sheeting i don't have many notes here langdon yeah they don't have anything interesting langdon's patronizing he calls vittoria veteran nancy drew because she figured out a thing he didn't figure out oh yeah yeah that happens um they meet there's a cameo from sandwich rat uh, the Italian cousin of Pizza Rat, <laughs> even though you'd think that... Pizza Rat would be the Italian one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, he's surprised to find that the guy here, Alexander Kiji, mm-hmm. was an Illuminatus. He's like, what? Which, so, come on. Okay. You know things about this. Go. So the Kiji Chapel 
is weird and there are pyramids mm-hmm. and ellipses although the ellipses are just like i looked it up it's really yeah. beautiful it's, it's, it's really cool. dope yeah um the they make a big deal of the elliptical medallions on the pyramids mm-hmm. but like that's just the shape you draw a person's portrait in mm. which is what's happening here but so this whole book is set up as though whoever created the Kiji Chapel, which is say Raphael with sculptures by Bernini, mm-hmm. was doing this big fuck you to the church. When Bernini was making the sculptures that would wind up in the Kiji Chapel, mm-hmm. the Pope was in fact a Kiji. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, like, if the if the Kijis were Illuminati, then the Pope was Illuminati and probably would have been fucking fine with uh, all the Illuminati shit in the chapel. (laughs) I think he was the son of the guy who commissioned the Kiji chapel, but the son was in charge of creating the chapel after the father died. So that's what I have to say about that. All right. Vittoria's fantasizing about kneecapping the guy. Well, no. Now Langdon can read Vittoria's mind about kneecapping the Hassas scene. (laughs) Um, Langdon can see that she was really thinking... Oh, Victoria's not blaming herself about creating the thing that's going to blow up the Vatican. Robert Langdon is reading her mind and is assuming she's thinking that. Oh, okay. So in her eyes, Landy could, she, could see what she was really thinking. Okay. I'm the one who lost my father. I'm the one who helped build a weapon of mass destruction. This guy's kneecaps are mine. Um, there's a lot of like, I should have let, never let us come in here. I should have, I shouldn't have let her go. And it's like, you're not in charge. Yeah. Robert Langdon. Guys, come on. He gets distracted by his own thoughts quite a bit. He, like, can't hear her or whatever because he's looking at the cupola. This is just, I mean, this is a pretty, it's a necessary but boring chapter. I mean, so they get into the chapel and the cover of the demon's hole is off of it. And so the gross smell of um, effluvium effluvium vapors from decaying bone is wafting up through the chapel and smelling gross mm-hmm. and so langdon peeks down there and in one of the wilder things to happen in a novel vittoria in an effort to help him see in the dark decides that she should do so by sneaking up behind him with a lit blowtorch is it a blowtorch mm-hmm. okay that okay so no no hold on (laughs) because my note said why would a torch give off blue light yeah because it's a blowtorch okay got it coming up with a welding torch behind him so he freaks out because he sees this blue light and a shadow coming behind him where he already thinks there's a shadowy assassin and so he jumps up and then she like burns his neck a little bit with the blowtorch and just like narrowly avoids roasting him It is a very bizarre image. I don't know why it's there. But eventually, um, Robert Langdon and Vittoria think they see... A body. Well, just, yeah, what looks like a body of someone standing down there. Yeah. Um, And so Langdon decides that he's going to be the chivalrous one and go down the ladder and not make Vittoria do it. And as this is happening, Chinita and Gunther are on their way to the church where the Hassassines told them to be. That's right. There's this really great description of uh, Glick as Hugh Grant on lithium. I have that highlighted. Uh, Yeah, me too. Or underlined, rather. But great. I really like that. I really like that image. Me too. It was good. It was good. And basically, uh, 
Chinita starts to have her suspicion or not suspicions, but doubts about this whole thing mm-hmm. lifted because um, as they're on their way to this church, in spite of her protestations, there's like four Alfa Romeos packed with Italian men, or I guess Swiss men, maybe, um, speeding towards this place. And so they decide to follow. And um, we get more Italian burns of uh, four identical cars, all with four passengers. Yeah, you ever hear a carpooling in Italy? Glitch checks check the intersection. They haven't even heard of unleaded gas <laughs> because it's a backward country full of, uh, of South, Southern Europeans. Southern Europeans. <laughs> I actually just re- watched a documentary on diesel in Europe and its prevalence. Okay, it was fine. Um, uh, we're in uh, chapter 67. 67, Robert Langdon is going down He's a ladder descending. and it's dangerous. Um, so it talked about it talks about here the pungent sm- smell of rotting flesh that's kind of like making him woozy. I thought effluvium was decomposing bone s- fumes. Yeah. Well, the weird yeah. thing for me is I don't know this for a fact, but it seems to me this chapel was built in like the 17th century at the latest Mm -hmm. and so like probably people aren't being actively buried there for a long time i don't surely things stop smelling like shit after a couple of hundred years uh maybe the 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 demon's hole has just been closed (laughs) yeah i guess (laughs) and then now it's it's all escaping probably damp and gross down there yeah maybe it's weird whatever it is uh he slips and he catches a letter with his forearms bruising them which I've done before. It sucks. It hurts so bad when you catch yourself on a ladder with your forearms. So, and then he keeps on going, and then he almost falls again. But this time, it's because there's a frightening skull in the wall. <laughs> uh, there's a bit here where he talks about having eaten salmon flambe mm-hmm. at yeah. a at the Museum of Archaeology's candlelit benefit dinner, and I looked up salmon flambe. Did you? No. Okay, I did. I just assumed it was fish it is it's fish like on fire it's not like a real meal like uh. it's not like beef wellington you know it's 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 so there are a few different ways to make it you can like put some kind of sauce on it and then light it on fire or you can like add grand marinier to the pan when you're pan frying okay. salmon it's just not like a well-known thing he also talks about uh how basically he has no time for uh stacy's or fake tits it says yeah. here in my I was gonna say, you focused on the salmon flambe which was for me the least interesting part of this <laughs> evening i was just curious i was like could i be eating salmon flambe T- turns out like not really yeah the first part was like so after he's afraid of the skull he then has to like make sure that other people would be even more afraid of the skull and that he's still cool mm-hmm. and so like a month ago he was at a uh benefit dinner at the new york museum of archaeology called skeletons by firelight an evening of bones and flames and that sounds really cool i, I know like to i go would to go that. it's metal as fuck um but he went with rebecca strauss who used to be a fashion model and is now an art critic from the times a whirlwind um, of black velvet cigarettes and not so subtly enhanced breasts and i just i my question was um I don't know why the New York Times art critic would be at the archaeology benefit dinner unless she got sent there as a placeholder holder for the New York Times. Like, why would uh, the art critic be at the archaeology dinner? I mean, I just figured that, like, all arts people in New York probably go to as many benefit dinners as they can. Oh, was yeah? my assumption. Oh, no, like, Robert Langdon is an art historian. Why is he there? At the invitation of uh, Rebecca Strauss. 
Oh, yeah. That's, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> fair, fair enough. He's not even a New York art person. He's a yeah. Harvard art person. But, like, maybe Rebecca Strauss is... Um, you know, field in art criticism and history is old art from archaeology times. Mm, perhaps. Perhaps. Okay. Anyways, he doesn't think she'd last long in a stink pit like this because he's doing so well himself. <laughs> Let's see. I just wrote, he's always in small places. He's feeling claustrophobic mm-hmm. again. We find the cardinal. How's he looking? Uh, dead. Very dead. what that mouth do? <laughs> Is that what you wrote in your book? Because <laughs> well, it mean, sounds like something I would write in my what it, book. What it, what it do is be full of dirt. <laughs> um. Yeah, so he's got a a maw full of dirt. I just learned about that saying like a couple nights ago and <laughs> it really you? delighted me. <laughs> um, And he's been branded with an ambergram of earth and I wrote... Uh, let's see. Shouts out to John Langdon. Yeah, I Master really like this Yeah, it's good. It's beautiful. It's gross. This book is gross. Yeah, it, the, his chest is charred and oozing from <laughs> the ambigram. Mm-hmm. And then, so when you get the ambigrams in your book, do you turn it upside down to verify their ambigrams? Yeah, I do. Okay, never mind. <laughs> in that case, my point does not stand. Why? Oh, because so Earth. He whispered, tilting his head to see the symbol upside down. I, I don't do it to make sure. I just I just like to do it because I know that it does that. Does that yeah, make sense? It does. I mean, so like my 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 ambigram viewing uh, strategy is just to like basically just look at the first half and then see. Okay, I can see how that would work upside down. Mm. And I assume Robert Landman do that underground rather than turning his head. <laughs> well, I mean that that <laughs> is stupid, but. I guess he really does want to make sure because he has never seen ambigrams before. That's and true. We're in the comfort of our homes reading this book, so this one might be my favorite ambigram. Earth. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think I remember liking the water one a lot. Mm, I haven't seen the water one for a while. I okay. wasn't watching that part of the movie last night very closely. <laughs> it's toward the end. It's it was a lot. On, it was like oh, I was falling asleep. <laughs> um. So sixty-eight. Oh, oh, real quick. Uh, then, in a wave of horror, he had one final cognition. Uh, I just crossed it out and wrote thought, <laughs> like I was editing. Yeah. It's stupid. Don't use cognition. Put down the thesaurus. I think Robert Langdon spent too long um, as a bad English teacher, and he was probably like, remember to use your $5 words. And so that's how that happened. Has someone told you that to use your five dollar words? I don't think so. I don't think I've ever even. I've, I've like I know people have talked about five dollar words before, and I mm. feel like it was with a positive light, mm. um, and that's why I am this way. But I don't think <laughs> I was actively encouraged to use that. <laughs> okay, we're back in in uh, the in the conclave. In the conclave, there and uh, Camerlingo comes in, you know, sexy, young, strong, and he's like. <laughs> he's like as you know the preferiti are not here and they're like so where are they and he's like i cannot honestly say and they're like where will they return when will they return he's like i cannot honestly say and he keeps saying that and to which i responded hmm no spoilers but hmm yeah that's all (laughs) it's it it is very suspicious (laughs) like uh don't put that adverb there guy you could put it earlier that i that I honestly cannot say, yeah. then you'd be like, yeah, I, I guess. I don't have a lot of notes here, I don't No, think. it's not that interesting. They talk in Latin some, and we get like a description of how he counts the votes, which is like he 
puts them onto a threaded needle and all the cardinals are voting for themselves they can delay the voting until the preferiti get there so i i didn't grow up in in a church um it's a little counterintuitive to me that the vatican would be a democracy um yeah but also it's whatever like (laughs) like sure why not you know yeah um it is a little survivor-y <laughs> um, <laughs> there's a lot of ritual involved there's a lot of ritual involved. there's smoke involved like yeah, special like colors if, of if, smoke if there's um white smooth well, then it means that you did find you the pope but if, if it's, it's black, black smoke, it was a not. yeah bad in pope. the 50s they like fucked up it somehow and no one could tell the difference between the white smoke and the black, black smoke. <laughs> it was just gray smoke yeah and now they use chemicals to make sure that everyone can tell the difference um they say that they use a plate to drop the ballots into the chalice Ballots and chalice are very similar words mm-hmm. in my mouth. Um, to make sure that you're only dropping one at a time, and I feel like you could still drop two. Like you could like just hold up both not with together, God not with God watching. Also, because you know how many cardinals there are, and if you have mm. more car- ballots and cardinals, it's like well. I mean, when there's four missing, it can get confusing. I guess it's not a hard subtraction to do. Langdon or Dan Brown does kind of a cool transition from the end of chapter 68 to the beginning of chapter 69 Mm -hmm. so chapter 68 ends with this image of smoke rising from the chimney out of the sistine chapel Uh uh-huh and then chapter 69 begins with langdon nearly asphyxiated by fumes yeah it's cool i liked it you could do it like in a movie you could like show the smoke and then the smoke from the blowtorch or or something and langdon has a classic um kind of emerging from the earth like a classic hero after a chthonic episode and myth um i was reaching here but langdon's coming back up from um the underworld where he's had to reckon with this dead body in front of him and confront mortality and he's coming back up into the world into this um heavenly space where there's stars carved above him yeah guards pull him up uh because he almost slips and then vittoria comes toward him and she kneels down her face like an angel and i just uh added like that of an angel because if your but face like the, was like an angel yeah for me the actual like erotic imagery here is the strong hands of two swiss guards hooked him under the armpits and dragged him <laughs> skyward <laughs> erotic like, might be pushing it but like again i was pretty for some, horny for some reason on this page i was like really um digging for imagery mm. it might just be chapter 69 i don't know um <laughs> Um, while Langdon's been underground, Vittoria has figured out a false thing that all the interior decoration of the Kiji Chapel was done by Bernini and therefore by the process of, um, inevitability, he must be the unnamed Illuminati sculptor who made all the statues that point the way down the path of illumination. Mm -hmm. Um, just point of fact, there are several statues in the Kiji Chapel that are not by Bernini. Mm. Um, Lauren Zetto did too. And there's one that I recognized when I was looking at last night of Jonah and the whale. And oh. um, it's one of the ones that like, whenever anyone does like things about art and how like nobody before, who's the woman who did all of things that were on folders in elementary school of rainbow colored dolphins? Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. Um, yeah, it's one of the things that comes up when you're reading articles on the internet about no one before Lisa Frank knew how to draw a dolphin. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so Jonah is there like stomping on this uh, quote unquote whale, which just looks like a very strange eel. Is there, um, is anyone pointing in that one? 
Um, I'm not sure. There's certainly not an angel in it, though. Okay, and the okay, angels okay. pointing are what's key here. Right. Um, all I wrote here is Bernini's my fave, because he is. That's that's all I had to say there. Big fan. I'm into it. Yeah. Uh, Langdon is shocked that Bernini is the secret Illuminati sculptor, because he was, a uh, you know, apparently the church really liked Bernini. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Uh, it said that it made strange sense. The Illuminati were famous for keeping secret information com- compartmentalized. And my note here is, uh, for an organization obsessed with the idea of knowledge and the freedom to pursue it, the Illuminati do not have the best track record vis-a-vis free knowledge in their community. No. Um, They're all for knowledge as long as it's not about them. Uh, and again, secondarily, Robert Lennon's like complaining about how the church would be furious the new Bernie was a secret Illuminati, Illuminatus. Mm-hmm. But um, to reiterate, at this time in history, the Pope is Akiji, who are apparently Illuminati. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of that. We find yeah. the first marker. It's a, the uh, sculpture of Habakkuk and Habakkuk. How do you say that? I always say Habakkuk. Habakkuk and the angel. There's a lot of pointing. There's a man pointing and an angel pointing, but you're supposed to only follow the angel according Milton to the poem. Us. Right. Um, I'm just going to zoom through it. It's a beautiful sculpture, though. It's you should nice. go. You should go look at it, and you should go look at pictures of Kiji Chapel. It's cool. It's I like spelled C I C H I G I, and it's. So gorgeous, and you should go look at it right now. But don't turn off the podcast. Keep don't listening. Uh, chapter seven. You're back with Gunther and Chinita, and this mm-hmm. time they are watching this uh, squad of sixteen dudes um, shooting the lock off of the church <laughs> to go inside. Um, and then we learn that not only does Gunther Glick have a fantastic name, and not only is he like Hugh Grant on Lithium, but he's also a film noir private eye. Mm. Um, it's from the Who's the Dapper? Yes. Line. I imagined him kind of sounding like Dick Van Dyke in Mary Poppins. Just, Who's the Dapper? Just like a uh, really bad, like... I was picturing um, Humphrey Bogart in The Big Sleep. <laughs> uh, different different legends, different yeah. images. Yeah. It's, who's the Dapper? <laughs> and, Say. And then, and then Chinita's horny, because uh, I haven't seen him before, but I wouldn't mind seeing him again. I should say that? Oh, yeah, she... D- mm-hmm. <laughs> Isn't he supposed to be not that hot? He's just like got kind of the hot? Kavorka Jerry. <laughs> um, okay, back to Robert Langdon. This is still in chapter 70. Um, oh my God. Let's see. So now they have to find a Bernini sculpture that has something to do with air to point them in the next. First, they have to find out like like what the next stage is. So it's going to be another place. Yeah, somewhere to the southwest with another Bernini sculpture. Something yeah. to do with air. Um, he wants it to be a church. And he wants all of Eddie to find him a map. I had a problem here. And my problem was, uh, I don't know if it's sound logic to look for a Bernini sculpture that has something to do with air. Because did does Habakkuk and the angel have anything to do with air? Or is it just, just happens to be in the earthly tomb? Because it could be... So, I mean, I don't think Habakkuk has anything particularly to do with earth. I think Dan Brown tries to make us think he does by saying twice that Habakkuk is the prophet who predicted the destruction of the earth is the closest I can get. But yeah, that's fair. I had not thought of that. I don't think it's sound logic to be looking for that. I mean, you're, you're welcome to look for like an area that has something to do with air, you know, yeah. but like it could be just a couple of nymphs dancing. That's true. That's true. Well, it, needs, it can't be nymphs. No, it can't be, can't be angels. nymphs. Angels. Um, we're going to take a pause for a moment while I go get something very important at this midway point. Oh, okay, good. 
I have before me an important piece of the juvenilia of Dan Brown. You have it! You have it! Uh, (laughs) Want to describe this cover for us, Lena? Yeah, I'd love to. So, this is uh, in a very 90s font. It says, early humor from the author of The Da Vinci Code in red. Dan Brown, formerly writing as Danielle Brown, 187 men to avoid with a serious drop shadow. Um, and we've got this very stylish woman in tights and it looks like kitten heels. Uh, and a Carmen San Diego coat. Yeah, and a Carmen San Diego coat with like a striped skirt and a big kind of rice paddy hat, like a black one. And she's blonde and she's blushing and she's hiding from, it looks like 187 men. Um, and it says on the back, a survival guide for the romantically frustrated woman. I don't know why he, why did he do this? Why did he write this book? He received a $12,500 <laughs> advance to write this book. Okay, so let's let's do a couple. So it begins with two epigrams. The first one, the trick of love is all in the choosing, a quote from Anonymous. Second, as long as you know that most men are children, you know everything. Coco Chanel. <laughs> uh, I think it's appropriate for you to read these, actually. Although it's Danielle Brown, I mean... Well, yes, but the book is also Dan Brown lecturing women about who they should like. Why and... don't you Why don't you do it in a girl voice, like a really high pitched voice? Ooh, it's gonna be bad. <laughs> let's do it. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's read. Let's just read like I don't know six men to avoid. Six? Okay, go. One men who dress their dogs. Noted. Oh, c- come on, uh, Two, a bow tie. Okay. Men who eat Kraft macaroni and cheese more than once a week. That's that's valid. Three, men who wear spandex biker shorts anywhere other than on their bike. Four, men who do lunch. Does anyone do lunch? I don't know. We do brunch now and coffee. We again, don't do lunch anymore. Again, $12,500. Allow, <laughs> allow me to divide that by a 187 and see what it comes out to. Each of these I'm reading to you is worth $66.84. I'm very upset. Number five. Men who have a stuffed Garfield stuck anywhere. It's so... <laughs> what what year was this written? <laughs> a stuffed Garfield? I think 95. Like the cat? Uh, yeah, 1995. Yes, Garfield the cat. And finally for the day. Men with little naked metal women on their mud flaps. That's, yeah, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Unbelievable. <laughs> Chapter 71. Okay, sorry. I must live off this shame. Um, the scaffolding, Dan, or shit, Robert Langdon goes <laughs> up um, the scaffolding of the church, which is under renovation, to see what's to the southwest, as Gunther Glick and Chinita Makri uh, try to figure out what's going on, but also like try to maintain stealth so they don't get... Um, scooped or found out or something i I don't have any notes for this section it's very boring yeah basically all that comes out at the end of it is um chinita and gunther get a shot of dead body being wheeled out of the church Mm -hmm. and i think robert langdon figures out that he wants to go to saint peter's square you might figure that like a little bit later but that's the uh gist of it okay yeah that's and uh maximilian kohler yes there's a small episode uh is that CERN? And he pries open Leonardo Vetra's uh, drawer in his bedside table or something? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and he finds whatever he was looking for. We don't know what it is. No. 
He finds what he's looking for after he was first um, sifting through Vetra's files with mechanical efficiency because he's German. He's very German. Um, right. We're at 72. 72. Lane is trying to figure out where he's going to go next. Uh, oh. They're talking about Piazza del Popolo. And uh, there's an, they're like, oh, there's a monolith there. And a monolith, an Egyptian monolith is an... Obelisk. Yeah. So he's like, oh whatever it's a coincidence he just shakes it off and it's like that's it's a it's a pyramid in the air you're looking for an air place Mm. it's a pyramid and like again robert langdon's job is kind of done for him by a lower level functionary whom he disrespects um in this case it's one of olivetti's men who's usually on guard duty in the piazza and he says there is a marble block that he thinks is by bernini um and it has the image of a billowing gust of wind and then hilariously adds air i suppose if you wanted to get scientific about yeah, it i just wrote stupid <laughs> <laughs> um and then langdon reminds us that relief carving is also sculpture it's the other half of of sculpture i wasn't gonna doubt that i wrote <laughs> I, I wrote we're so deep and stupid by the end of this chapter so that's that's all I had to say. Mercifully, there, it's not too long. It's yeah, it's it's short, and you can skip over most of it. <laughs> um, Gunther and Chinita follow all the Alfa Romeos back to Saint Peter's. Seventy three, yeah, yeah, and as they do so, um, apparently editorial over at BBC is mad that they've abandoned their post Saint Peter's Square. Sure. Um, because due to the technology of the nineties, they have to play the videotape they've got through a VCR, so they can. Uh, use satellites to get it back to Britain. Holy Jesus. <laughs> Awful. Chinita <laughs> uh, is warned that the boss uh, thinks that Gunther Glick is a few crumpets short of a proper tea, <laughs> which is how British people speak and also how American people relay British speak. Correct. Correct. So he checks his Mickey Mouse watch to check the time, and it's at it's eight fifty four, and they have six minutes to find uh, whoever the cardinal. Um, and it says he checks his Mickey Mouse watch, even though it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of watch it is; it could just be a watch. And we can br- talk about the fact that it's a Mickey Mouse watch with glow in the dark arms later, if it I'm matters. Not with you on this? <laughs> You're not. No. You think that we have to talk about it? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I disagree. You, you've honestly like. <laughs> I hate this thing. My sensibilities. <laughs> you've made me very sad. Um, I don't know. We can do this podcast anymore. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Um, they move into the cool black umbra, which is so dope. It means shadow. <laughs> I like the word umbra. Um, uh, you should know that if you played Pokemon in silver and gold. Umbreon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's how I learned it. And also Umbrella, but I didn't learn that until after I learned Umbreon. Oh, I I'm learned Umbrella first. I don't want to talk about learning words from Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> people learn words from Pokemon? There's no Not shame. smart people like me. I read books. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, Langdon talks about blowing away the kneecaps of the killer again. I don't know what his fucking fixation on these kneecaps is. He must have watched something recently. I think Dan Brown has a kneecap thing. Uh, it's a kneecap thing. Yeah. Uh, Gunther Glick sees a man in a tweed jacket and a, the woman in khaki shorts. And my note here was, nobody cares. The only person who cares more about Victoria's shorts than the Vatican is Dan Brown. Yes. Yep. Um, Langdon is trying to, where is it? 
for some reason i thought there was a line about dan brown or robert langdon like wondering what the ambigram of air is going to look like but i might have imagined it uh that sounds familiar and here air langdon thought the second element of science he tried to picture the brand the method of murder Again, he scanned the sprawling expanse of granite. So many ah words. Air is a three-letter word. The middle one, or yeah, three-letter word. The, letter- the middle one is the letter I. <laughs> a and R don't look that different. <laughs> I don't like, it's not. Um, although to be fair, the actual ambigram that um, comes out, the I isn't itself ambigrammed. I don't know, it's a cool ambigram. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. Anyways, oh Oh. There's more than one obelisk in St. Peter's Square. There are two obelisks that form the foci of a elliptical plaza. Uh-huh. Or no, fountains. God damn it. There is one obelisk, two fountains. Oh, okay. Oops. That's okay. Um, so they're there. Uh, they're pretending to be husband and wife again. They fa- they find the, the relief. It's elliptical. There's an angel blowing toward the east. Um, an ethereal zephyr blown from angel's lips. Did you look at this one? No, I didn't. It looks pretty stupid. Does it? Like, what it what looks, should I even look up? Um, West Ponente. It'll probably all be slot shots from angels and demons. This is awful looking. Bernini did this? Apparently. It looks really dumb, right? This is very bad. <laughs> yeah. It's so stupid <laughs> This is very guys. stupid, you guys. Uh, <laughs> God damn it. Why is it orange in the middle? Uh, well, because the cardinal down on top of it, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Um, a zephyr is the west wind. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of bothers me that they're describing the west wind with the word zephyr. That's all. Okay. Uh, Gunther and Trinita continue to follow Robert and Vittoria around. And then we go to chapter 74, mm-hmm. where Langdon is a little patronizing to Vittoria remember how last time she was doing prayana pranayama yeah pranayama now i'm doing it um (laughs) relax langdon whispered do your piranha thing dick yeah very oh yeah the zephyr thing is in this chapter i'm sorry i got ahead of myself unbelievable sorry (laughs) um so yeah they're looking for whosoever is going to die um and they spot shanita with her bbc camera and they'd see a homeless drunk and a little girl feeding pigeons. One of those two could be a dying cardinal. Which one do you think it is? Are pigeons are pig- are pigeons nocturnal? <laughs> are pigeons nocturnal? Um, well, it's it's around sunset, so pigeons would still be out. Springtime's sun was setting behind Saint Peter's Basilica, and this is after he says it was eight fifty four p.m. Oh Jesus! Okay, yeah. fair enough. In Tunisia, the sun will set around nine in the summertime nightmarish <laughs> it's great i like it a lot <laughs> um, bu- 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 so it is the b- birds can be out yeah they'll probably go away in a second okay but there's food and and tourists so whatever yeah so the the little girl feeding the fig- pigeons um right as the ninth bell fades away she begins to scream mm-hmm. and langdon immediately runs to her uh, the terrified youngster stood frozen. <laughs> Speaking of Pokemon, <laughs> um, pointing at the base of the obelisk where a shabby, decrepit drunk. I don't think Dan Brown likes homeless people. Um, he doesn't like any kind of person who's yeah. not like an exotic, thin woman. The man was a miserable sight. Apparently one of Rome's homeless. His gray hair hung in greasy strands in front of his face. 
his entire body was wrapped in some kind of dirty cloth. Um, but it turns out that, it's not a homeless person. Do homeless people just wear cloth? Yeah. They don't. They, well, in Rome they do. Yeah. When in Rome, wear a toga. City. <laughs> uh, but no, it's it, it's not a homeless man. It's a uh, cardinal whose blood is starting to seep through the rags that he's clothed in. Oh God. And extremely grossly, this part is so gross. he's got this air brand. And does Vittoria try to do the CPR? Yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah she does. So Vittoria goes to do the CPR. And as she tries to do the rescue breath, all this blood just blows out of this guy's fucking chest because he's got uh, two holes in his lungs. Because the assassin has punctured his lungs. And so Robert oh, has blood and viscera all over his face. It's so gross. It's so, it's so gross. It's so gross. <laughs> It's, it's so gross. It's pretty cool. Um, I just wrote, God, this book is so gross. It's my only note for this chapter. I really like it. <laughs> uh, the Air brand is also pretty cool. I think mm. I like it less than the Earth brand just because, like, it's not as good. Yeah, I agree with you. But I like how he makes it four vertical strokes as opposed to three the way I probably would have. Or, like, I don't know. The the I is both, like, the bottom of the A and an I. Mm-hmm. And I would have done it. With just the eye being the eye both ways. And mm-hmm. this way's cooler. And I'm starting to think this John Langdon guy might be pretty good at ambigrams. I think so, yeah. He's famously good at him. Uh, Janita is spotted. She got it all on camera. It's very bad, you know. And then now she's running. Um, and so there, there's a, it's a big crowd running scene. Janita is heavy set in yeah. 43. And like all the Swiss guards are after her. <laughs> yeah. Just, a uh, 43 year old woman being pursued through this crowded square by all these like what 28 year old tall ass buff swiss guys yeah yeah and so she takes the uh the tape the physical tape out of her camera and puts it in her under her coat and they confiscate the camera and then glick like takes the tape from her and now they've escaped with the footage. Yeah, it's and, like it's a cool sleight of hand thing and good teamwork between her and Glick. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, I said here that I kind of imagine Sirius Black a little bit when I think of Glick. Like a little bit. Like not... Winston Churchill. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and Roxanne Gay as Chinita. Okay. I'm into that. Yeah. I love Roxanne Gay. She's the best. 77. 77. Uh, Robert Langdon gets to go to the Pope's office to clean off the blood, which he does in the Pope's bathroom. And he pees. Yes. He pees in, in the toilet, mm-hmm. uh, to which I, I wrote Tom Hanks, um, because Tom Hanks <laughs> always pees. We see scene. Do we? Yes, Lena. <laughs> <laughs> we see Tom Hanks' dick I don't know. Demons <laughs> <laughs> like three people I know have seen Tom have seen this movie, and... <laughs> okay my point being <laughs> tom hanks pees i think in like every movie he's he's in there's like a tom hanks peeing scene is that true yeah you can we can look up here i think it's a little weird that Lyndon's like expecting to find a urinal in there my guess is that this scene in this book is what got them to cast tom hanks as robert <laughs> langdon that's my theory okay yeah yeah uh there's a bunch of stuff on the internet about how Tom Hanks pees all the time in his movies, just like uh, Tom Cruise is always running and Brad Pitt's always eating. Okay. I'll buy that. I think it's because, you know, he's like a dad type. He's like yeah. relatable. Like he, he can pee. Does he pee in this movie? I don't remember. Like I was, I was watching it in the background just 
like to try to figure out some sequencing things and how they like make it work, which we'll talk about when we talk about the movie. Okay. I'm struggling to not talk about the movie more during this because sure. I don't want to talk about everything in the movie before the movie episode. Okay, let's move on to seven. In London, a BBC technician ejected a video cassette from the satellite receiver unit and dashed across the control room to, um, you know, bring to the editor's attention that there's live homicides happening in Vatican City. Yeah. And those vultures at the BBC are eating it up. That's right. Uh, they say they're going to um, give it to CNN, MSNBC, and then the big three. And the big three are ABC, CBS, and NBC. Yeah, I think Fox is like still an up-and-coming thing in this, right? Because they started early 90s. Yeah, okay. So so the point that I wanted to make was that ABC, CBS, and NBC are the broadcasting big three. They're not the journalism big three. Like, I don't know what... Well, yeah. The, I don't know the, what ABC is going to do with footage of these live murders. I mean, the... I don't think that the BBC here wants good journalism done. I think they just want lots of money. That, that's not really what I like. Okay, I guess. I guess. Because I don't real. I'm I'm unhappy about it, but it's fine. Because those dirty Brits and their government-funded media always mm-hmm. looking for extra money from good old-fashioned American <laughs> uh, journalism. And look at these monsters! What the hell happened? Someone demanded. The prime minister gets skinned alive. The chief shook his head better uh we catch up with the hassa scene this is my favorite hassa scene scene is it very fast yeah it is but um he's just he's chilling in a throne it's a comfortable chair (laughs) in a legendary chamber i just wrote hassa scene so extra that's my note (laughs) and he's like reluctantly making work calls beautifully dialed the bbc reporter to whom he had spoken earlier (laughs) all right they're in Italy, just noted, and Vittoria's eating a scone. Yep. There are no scones in Italy. I looked sure. it up. What? There are no, they don't have scones in Italy. That is not an Italian food. You cannot get one unless you go to like a specialty English tea shop in Italy. I looked it up. Italian scones are like people who make normal scones, but like with sun-dried tomatoes and basil. Visconti. <laughs> uh... You say Visconti? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> You can't say it quietly enough to get away with it. He said Visconti. Uh, <laughs> there are no scones in, in Italy. Robert Langdon. Vittoria's nibbling uh, delicately, but Robert Langdon is eating voraciously. Because... No, absently. She's eating. She's nibbling absently, not delicately. I was interpreting the text. Oh, sorry. Um... Sorry. Was it clearly implied that she was nibbling? Clearly implied comes up later in this in this chapter, Doesn't and really... I have a gripe with it. We'll get to that. All right. Um, blah, blah, blah. The Chamberlain now looks empty, whereas before he just looked drained. Good metaphor. Uh, <laughs> they found some cardinals dead. Yeah. Killer escaped. Cardinals Guidera and Bajia are still alive. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is around the point where we get to, to clearly implies. So, um, yeah, the, you know, the Where's sexy, it? sexy Camerlengo is just kind of yeah. like, you know, feeling feeling yeah. down. You know, his day has not gone his way. He's drained. He's he's drained and empty at this point. Um, they're talking about how they're looking for the canister, and they're like, "Well, you see, like he 
stole a security camera from one of the tourist areas. So that clearly implies that the uh. intruder had limited access. And I don't like the phrase clearly implies. And I talked to my boyfriend about it. And I said, can something be clearly implied? And he said, yeah. And I was like, can it though? Because for something to be implied, it means that it's not clearly stated. And I guess it could, I know they're not the same thing, but I feel like the word implies, uh, implies lol, the the presence of some kind of obfuscation and i don't my my brain doesn't like it i, I think it is at best infelicitous <laughs> <laughs> uh don't use clearly implies in your writing lena's gonna yell at you if you do i will i'll find you i'll read every dissertation from here until the end of my life robert's asking for maps this chapter is pretty lame mm-hmm. and long they talk about trying to find a statue that has to do with fire um, which again, faulty logic. These statues don't always have to do with the thing, but yeah. the air one did. So whatever. Um, um, eventually, is it they decide to find the ledger of all the church property? Is that's that right. Happening? All this, uh, all the property of the Vatican, and I did some, yeah. some, some uh, research there. Um, okay, chapter eighty, last chapter for this session. Robert's going back to the library. He Langdon found himself back at the archives once again. Back at the archives once again. Mm, yeah. I don't like it. <laughs> it's bad. I just, uh, what, four hours ago was doing ACT tutoring, and uh, if that was on the English section, I would say uh, remove it once again. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I did one of the like loop-de-loop things for delete, you know? Langdon's, like, su- again surprised at all the assets the Vatican has. So, so like, I, there's a there's a cubicle where they have all the um, Vatican asset paperwork, and Langdon looks at it. He's like, "Scandals, contests, real estate, currency, Vatican bank, antiquities." The list went on. Jesus, Langdon thought. Even in the dark, you could tell it was packed. And like, what the fuck did you think the church was doing for two thousand years? <laughs> Not collecting shit. So I actually I had a few questions about this, um, and it kind of led me down a rabbit hole of research. But um, my question was. Are Catholic churches outside of Rome also property of the Vatican? And because he says all all Catholic churches in Rome are property of the Vatican. Yeah, what well, did you find? Um, so the Vatican can't own anything because the Vatican is a city, really. But the Holy See owns the Vatican and can own things. Okay. Outside of, yeah. Do there's, they own all the churches in the world? So... They have an, a real estate empire worldwide, but I don't, I don't think they own every single one. I think it's just like most of them or something. What about the one that Jake and Elwood have to um, get concert money for to keep open in the Blues Brothers? <laughs> I, I didn't do that research specifically, but I can look into it and get back to you. Please do. Because <laughs> they have to make that check out to Cook County for assessed taxes, I think. Okay. And the church won't pay for it. Right. I guess the diocese owns that, but I don't understand the relationship between the diocese and the church. It was very confusing. I don't know if these would be called Vatican assets or Holy See assets. Maybe they would be called. Like, if they were Vatican assets, I would think they would have to be inside the Vatican. Well, I mean, there's also, like, I don't know what, like, the legal standing differences in property ownership were over, like, all the years of existence of the Vatican. Uh Like. You know, did they care in 1100 whether something was owned by the Vatican or by the Holy See? Maybe. They were legalistic as hell. As far as I can tell, the Vatican itself doesn't own anything. 
it just is a a territory okay that that's what i found again i've never i'm not a catholic person i don't know anything about this but this is what my research led me to believe i mean okay um, it sounds fake. It sounds like the Vatican should own things. It seems like they would. Okay, this is a really short chapter. Well, it looks like Vatican seems like vaguely metonomic, mm-hmm. where it just like it just is a word you use to encompass everything about the church. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, oh, this the landing gets to go into the box, and the Swiss guard is not coming with him because he was ordered to take him to the library not to stay at the library and Landon's like mad that his buddy's leaving which I don't know why he cares but he does get to use an official walkie talkie to talk to Olivetti later and that's it that's where we ended it's a, yeah, again it was, a weird it was place not the most elegant cutoff point yeah um, it's fine it really in the anticlimax to yeah. come after like two dead cardinals yeah like 18 pretty good chapters and then um nothing yeah. Tell me what grade you would give this section on its level of being Dan Brownie. Dan Brownie? Um give it a B plus. Okay. It didn't have any of the gripes of Dan Brown. It had only the good things. That's fair. Yeah. I think I'm giving it an A though. Okay. Still. Um like it had some like it had sprinklings and seasoning of of the things to complain about like the research was shoddy Mm -hmm. um there was still some weird emotion stuff with vittoria sure yeah she was Um, very available he made very sure to call out chinita for being a withered crone of 43 (laughs) and having a black mother it sounds like uh so yeah it's an a for me for dan brown and what level of joy it was brought it brought to you? Oh, A plus! I had a great time in this section. Yeah, it was a I, lot of fun. I can't give it anything less than an A plus. It yeah, was good. it was a lot of it was a page turner. You know, like it was super gross and a lot of fun. I had a yeah, great A plus. Uh, who's your angel for this section? My angel is Chinita Macri. Yeah, I really felt like she had some quick thinking. Uh, you know, taking the cassette thing and putting it, and she, you know, she's. I'm a plus size woman. I'm not 43, but like I, if I was running around trying to hide from Swiss guard guys, I don't know if I would have thought that quickly, but she was with it. You know, she's a, she's a good journalist and she's there to do the journalism. Yeah. You know, I don't want to use the same angels Lena did. So I'm going to have to pause here and ponder for a moment. Janita. <laughs> it's fine. Cause um, I don't have a demon. So I'm going to think of one right now. I don't know. I think for my angel, um, I'm going to pick, Lauren Zetto, who sculpted the other two statues inside the Kiji Chapel, just oh, yeah? because um, he, you know, he was willing to take one for the team and step out of the big picture and pretend like he didn't exist just for the sake of this book and this druid work. <laughs> Good work for him. I like his statue of Jonah and the whale. Mm-hmm. The one of Elijah that's also in there is not my favorite, but <laughs> good work on the Jonah one. Uh, <laughs> do you have a demon for this section? <laughs> He's dead for us. Um, Excuse me. So are angels. No, it's not true. Angels are um, internal. But <laughs> listen, every time a cardinal dies, uh, Lauren Zetto gets his wings. <laughs> uh, my demon was the Camerlingo this time. I really felt like he's dropping the ball as far as being like, you know, like a, a sexy stone. Yeah, we didn't he's, get a lot of like physical descriptions of the camera. We did this time it, around. and he's kind of like slipping. You know, he's like, you know, I, I can't honestly say, and like 
kind of feeling drained and like empty and i'm like come on hold it together superman like you can do it uh my angel is not lauren's my angel is um you're changing it yeah you're stepping on my demon right now <laughs> <I'm> so sorry <laughs> we're gonna talk about your demon again i think i might flip it around the edit so that way i don't interrupt your demon thing. okay <laughs> um my angel is uh that swiss guard guy who patrols the square and is just like Listen, I'm a scientist. <laughs> this statue's about air. <laughs> I like him. Yeah, I like him too. He made Robert Langdon seem dumb, and I like that. Um, yeah, yeah, good choice. Yeah. Sorry to steal your demon. No, it's okay. Yeah, I felt like the Cumberland Ghost really letting me down because he was he was a hunk before, and now he's just yeah. kind of a shell. Sad. The only strong hands we got were the Swiss guards. <laughs> Very low on strong hands. I give it a C- for strong hands really step it up dan um my demon for this section is the loathsome uh docent at the uh pantheon oh yeah who won't shut the fuck up about um you know, when the pantheon was built into our art history but like he is uh a non-degree holding <laughs> italian idiot just wandering around calling people the wrong nationalities doddering like a fool <laughs> like a doddering not, fool? yeah he's not like robert langdon walking around with a mission getting all his shit wrong mm-hmm. um <laughs> swaggering in a tweed suit mm-hmm. getting stuff wrong yeah that's yeah, how that's, you want to be that's my demon <laughs> anyways um you can follow us on social media yeah you can follow us on twitter at dan brown code pod uh, we're also on Facebook. You just search the Dan Brown code and it'll pop up. Um, we are on iTunes podcasts. We are on SoundCloud and I will figure out how to get it on Stitcher. Stitcher doesn't exist. Um, <laughs> it does for those of us who don't have iPhones. Uh, not us. I mean, I, I do have an Stitcher iPhone. Stitcher is a secret organization that's been behind in the shadows for hundreds of years <laughs> after Irpur, il, fuck, Ilpurgo. <laughs> shit um where the evil forces of ios um branded the four uh pillars of uh stitcher <laughs> with threads and needles i guess anyway i have to write a um an application for them and i have to like what yeah i have to write an application for stitcher i hope it involves following signs and statues just to join them um we'll find out <laughs> you do an application to be on stitcher yes that's stupid i know well no it's not stupid stitcher, stitcher please please let us be on stitcher, your go fuck yourself no. <laughs> forest <laughs> cut it forest you have um, to cut that anyways uh oh i don't think i've said this before about our podcast please rate and review do not rate us below five stars stitcher you fuckers <laughs> um also you know you know be a friend tell a tell a friend be a friend uh share let me know if you're actually reading this uh let me know if you're interested in in seeing my notes after this book is over because they are (laughs) (laughs) they're something they are they are a lot you can follow me at lena jamili that's l-i-n-a-j-e-m-i-l-i you don't have to follow forrest you know you can follow me at wishbone ulysses on twitter all right Um, it's currently locked but it'll probably be unlocked before too long because i'm like employed now so (laughs) i don't care (laughs) (laughs) all right great uh anything else nope Have a wonderful day. We're going to be reading 81 through 100 and really moving into this plot. Yep. So uh, we'll see you next time and bye-bye. Bye.